0: Hello there, it's Chappie, your British butler, it's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, and it's episode 113. So, I'm actually in the new Chappie Towers, the Scaled Down, The uh, it's more of the hors d'oeuvre than the entree Chappie Towers, and um, it's, it's a little bit of a Heath Robinson affair, Now, I'll explain uh, the definition of Heath Robinson a little bit later on the podcast. But uh, let me just describe to you the setup. So I have my iPad, I have my microphone, I have my uh, computer um, and it's rested on a very high bed. Now this bed is, I don't know, probably about 15 inches in the air, something along those lines. And it actually makes a rather good desk. I mean, it's a firm mattress. So I can prop up all the equipment and I'm sitting in the the dining room chair right next to the bed. uh, Speaking into a very, very soft, delicious mattress that has given me three nights of very good sleep. Um, The the previous three nights before that were an abomination to say the least. And I I probably was a little bit like uh, Rip Van Winkle when I finally managed to drift off uh, on uh, Sunday night. I mean, it was uh, a marvelous affair having a, a proper bed again because for a while there I was, uh, had two uh, mattresses that were in a crib pushed together. So, of course, the rather large chappie kept falling in the middle of the mattresses, uh, down the middle of the mattresses. Um, so that was pretty uncomfortable. And then I had the end piece that now George the Border Collie lays on, uh, the end piece of the, uh, the, of the sofa. That was at the end of the bed. So it was making it nice and long for my six foot two frame or six foot one and a half. If, you know, who's going to, who's going to quibble over half an inch. But so the bed at the moment in the new Chappie Towers is rather high. And I think it's going to go down six inches. And, oh, you know, and six inches less. oh, so, oh. Well, <laughs> does six inches really make a difference? I wouldn't know, darling. Um, but, the, but anyway, so that's that's where I'm at. So the the, the bed uh, is very high. Um, it's as high as a desk. The microphone is propped onto the bed. And all my accoutrement is uh, is, is basically around me. Uh, George, the border collie, is uh, laying on the floor, keeping my feet warm. Um, and I turn the air conditioning off because it's rather loud. It's a rather bustling sort of... Uh, fan-like sound that comes and emanates uh, from uh, from the air conditioning unit and that really wouldn't uh, help the acoustics there. I was thinking about recording from the bath but that'd be too echoey uh, in the dining room it's more open plan sort of open scape here so I thought well what better to have my face in a mattress some would say not for the first time but no 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 no, no it's silly um, but but it, it, the the uh, acoustics we'll have to sit we'll have to listen back we'll have to trial and error here. I am going to maybe have to get a little desk or something that I can prop all my equipment up on. Um, uh, if fourth web, but uh, for this show and uh, Saturday show, this is how it's going to be. So I'm looking at uh, some French blinds closed. Um, and it's rather interesting there's a, there's a there's a range of characters from the tranquility of suburbia I moved to a different corner of suburbia and it's and it's a different sort of clientele around here let me say let me put it that way but there's some interesting sorts to uh, to say the least so plenty of material for the podcast in the coming weeks and months uh, ahead of us Um but welcome along. We, we've hit 113 episodes. I only did one episode last week because it was so busy, and um, sadly I had to uh, to put dear Jack, Jack the lad, down. Um, hasn't been doing very well recently, and you know, last last week's show was a tribute to him and his naughtiness, his cheekiness, his devilishness, almost. I mean, he was the sort of Beelzebub of dogs, but uh, to me. He was a loving, soft, gentle little dog, and uh, I-, I loved him dearly. But here we are again. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm sitting here in a sweater and a button down in my boxer shorts currently. Uh, as I said, the air conditioning has turned way off, and uh, probably by the end of the, uh, end of the show, I'm gonna have a very, very sweaty upper lip. So if you're listening to the musical Chappie Butler edition of the show, then all I'm going to say is scrubbers, Obviously, a reference to With Nell and I. If you haven't seen the 1986 independent movie Genius that is With Nell and I with uh, Paul McGann, Richard E. Grant, and Richard Griffiths as a rather leering, predatory Uncle Monty, who's hilarious, uh, then you need to watch it. But talking of Richard E. Grant, he has a fabulous show on the BBC currently um, called Right Around the World. And basically he travels to various uh, uh, places, let's say southern Italy in the footsteps of great writers past and present. He goes to France, he goes to Spain, uh, and uh, his work is inspired by country and its culture. It is a marvellous show. I don't know when it's coming to the US, but this Richard E. Grant show right around the world is well worth a watch. It's, uh, it's, it's I mean, the settings are amazing, and he's such a genial, enthusiastic host. It's uh, a marvelous watch. So if you have a chance or have a way of being able to see it, it's on the BBC iPlayer in the UK. Um, But there's, uh, uh, I'm sure it'll be coming to the US. It may be put on PBS or something along those lines. But uh, yes, so here we are. I mean, I may have to take the sweater off. It's getting a little clammy in here at the moment. And it's not the good sort of clam chowder, if you know what I'm saying. Um... But today's, today's podcast, uh, we're going to be sort of getting back to our normal sort of timbre here, if you can hear me, if uh, I'm not too muffled or my, uh, my uh, acoustics is, uh, are rather terrible. I, I don't really know. It sounds, it sounds pretty good at the moment, but you just never know about one's, one's acoustics, darling, until you listen back to the program. Um, so coming along the way on the, uh, on the podcast... Uh, episode 113 of Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. We're going to be sort of reliving my uh, my travails over the last week, basically. Um, uh, some of these will be Larry the Mover, uh, or the guy who came to change the toilet seat, or my marvelling at this mysterious new robotic parcel locker. Um, not wearing socks from May to September has its... Uh, has its issues and um getting very very painful hard skin on my trotters um also um my uh my fear of uh, the greasy hair on uh, on new couches on new sofas and the bane of my life the chagrin of my life have been those bloody mosquitoes i mean i've been bitten to beggary over the last week um, how can I solve it? So it's sort of a, almost like a, a chappy, keep coming, cauliflower, cheese, uh, mosquito special today. But we will have some trample trombone. Uh, we will have an enigmatic, eccentric English prime minister. But you know what? I need to stop for a second to itch my bites. So this afternoon um, in, uh, in Colorado, we had a tornado watch. So it's a take, it's a it's a take shelter sort of alert. So um, I I really wondered what to do in this situation. I mean, I mean, do you have to dress up for dinner or or um, I mean, I went and got my World War One helmet with a spike on that currently the geraniums are in, and uh, I plopped it on my head and hid under the bed here. I mean, the bed's so high, even a even a gentleman of my large girth. Can, uh, can fit under the bed, and uh, I had to be careful with the spike of the helmet though, because I don't want to prong the mattress or get it caught or anything, because it's quite a prominent spike, um, but we th- th- get these tornado watches, and then we had absolute torrential rain, I think a, a, a modicum of hail as well fell, and uh, and now it's a beautiful evening, so uh, I'm uh, going to you know record the podcast, uh, take the hounds in a walk. And, uh, and cover myself in DEET, because that's the key, I think, to avoid mosquitoes, I believe, um, is cover yourself in DEET, uh, but it, it's also, uh, also probably known as common or garden poison. So first up on the podcast today, we are looking at the percentages in the uh, full, full English breakfast, one of my favourite topics. I mean, what is the most important ingredient in a full English breakfast? So, you know, at our lower levels here, at our lower levels, 23% say the fried tomato is the most important ingredient. And then we come in at the black pudding. Now, that's very difficult to get in America, the congealed black pudding. That's at 35%. And then um, beyond that, you've got... Uh, at 48% the fried mushrooms, and then 60% hash browns, 65% the fried egg, uh, 71% the beans, 73% the toast. I mean, do you like a fried slice instead of uh, instead of the piece of toast? I mean, I do like a fried slice. But the king, the king of the bacon, uh, the king is the bacon, and the king of the fried breakfast uh According to the research here, and amongst many masses of people, was the bacon at 89%. But they also say the fried bread, uh, that came in. I sort of need my reading glasses here. Just excuse me a minute while I just have a luxury in there. Oh, I I can actually uh, yeah I can actually uh, increase the size of the page. I don't need my don't need my readers on. <laughs> so other items not depicted: fried bread, forty-seven percent. Uh, instead of the fried tomato, they had the grilled tomato at forty-five percent. Some people said, the so all of this doesn't add to add up to a hundred here, does it? And then. Um, we have the poached egg at 24%. I don't know if anybody wants to poach it. Scrambled egg? I mean, that's an anathema, saying a scrambled egg. Uh, maybe the tin tomatoes, saute tomatoes and sautéed uh, potatoes. Definitely not. God, who put a vegetarian sausage in here at 7%? Pancakes at 6%. Well, maybe afterwards for dessert. Boiled egg at 6% and then white pudding at 3%. I think I might put the th- white pudding above the The vegan sausage, I suppose. But that is, I think they did it, it was almost like family fortune survey. Uh, But they said 89% of people in the survey did think that bacon comes out on top. Literally on top of the mound of all the other food. So I never realized I had so much junk in my house. An absolute plethora of useless stuff so the junk guys came over and took away three loads now these weren't these weren't like three loads in the back of the mini or anything these are three huge loads of stuff that have been accumulated over the years as i said on previous podcasts i'm a terrible hoarder i'm trying to uh, cleanse and purge my ways and all purge a lot of the stuff as well Uh, so they cleaned up uh, most of it. But, again, there's still bits and pieces that were everywhere after the uh, junk gentleman came. Um, and then the mover came on Saturday. Now, this gentleman's called Larry. Could that be his real name or not? I'm not I'm never going to say. But uh, he was quite a diligent, diligent chap. Uh, older chap. And... Um, he, uh, he had been keeping in touch over the last couple of weeks. And I was quite impressed. Anyway, on the morning, he, uh, he gave me a call and said, uh, yeah, Hey, Andrew, I, I can't get there at 9 o'clock, but I'll be there at 10. Okay, Larry, see you at 10. Gives me a little bit more time to clear up whilst uh, watching the cricket. And uh, so I waited and waited and waited. 10 o'clock came and 11 o'clock came. And Larry apparently had had a large truck delivered. He would bought second hand off some fly-by-night snake oil salesman, something along those lines. And this huge truck, this gas-guzzling beast of a truck, um, first of all, when it eventually turned up, it looked as old as as, uh, Abraham himself. But it didn't turn up for four hours and Larry called me and told me that the truck had bottomed out and got stuck and he asked if I had a jack oh yes yeah I'm just a humble butler carry who carries around a rather large jack for a huge lorry a huge truck of course I do that no Larry I do not have a jack well he said well I'll try to stop somebody to see if we can get a jack and then hours went by one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. Larry, where are you? Constant checking. Well, I'm getting it figured out, getting it figured out. And then finally appeared. Apparently he went back to his house and he had a large jacket at his house. Um, <laughs> I mean, the large jacket at his house should have been in the large truck when it came to, uh, to uh, pick up my stuff so four hours came so it was was sort of early to mid afternoon now and uh, him and and the young fellow with him packed up the uh, truck really quickly very impressed I mean carrying things all the time on their back I mean this is like uh, this could be an Olympic sport I talked about this the other week me going over the uh, the barrier in my house but these guys are true sort of pretty fit Olympian box carriers and not just one at a time on the cross, you know, cross a bent back. I mean, these these boys could do limbo as well. I've never seen a, a, a back curve uh, so much. And these weren't, young, weren't really young fellas. So it was packed up, and uh, you yeah, know, I was quite impressed with that. So Larry was beginning to redeem himself. I mean, first of all, I probably shouldn't, ha- care, you know, hire a mover called Larry. I mean, it just makes me think of Larry David. So, Larry David, Kobe enthusiasm—it immediately makes me think that everything and anything that will go wrong could go wrong. And so, Larry, Larry went off in his way. Said, "I'll see you over there." So I dashed over to the, uh, dashed over the apartment, carrying a load of my stuff, and um, arrived at the, uh, arrived at the, the, the New Chappie Towers. Scaled down Chappie Towers. And uh, got there. Well, where's Larry? nice no, texted me. He's stopping with some watermelon and some uh, juice. i like, okay, Larry, you need some refreshments to cleanse and refresh your, uh, your beaten up body from lifting all my stuff into the truck. So anyway, waiting. He's obviously having his lunch. Didn't know if this was still on the clock in terms of charges or not. So then finally... You know, got a message from him that somebody had put sugar in his gas tank and the truck, his new truck or newish old truck, was now smoking. And I mean, it was smoking like uh, this looked like a 1960s party. That's how much smoke was coming out of this truck. So he said he's going to figure it out again. So Larry figured it out. It was incommunicado for the next four hours whilst I was waiting, thinking my stuff had been stolen and uh, waiting around for for Larry and his merry man and uh, nothing. Crickets came into the evening. Thought I should call the old bell, call the cops. Giving Larry one more chance. And apparently the, the old truck finally got in touch with me. The old truck was kaput. And uh, he decided to uh, get a smaller truck and load all the stuff on the smaller truck onto the uh, from the big truck onto the smaller truck and head his way. But now that was 10 o'clock at night, and I was incredibly tired. These gents were obviously tired from. I mean, I didn't know whether to believe this guy because it was sort of oozing BS constantly uh, through this uh, through this nonsensical day. But finally, everything was unpacked. And Larry went on his way. I mean, this guy was certainly a character, but the amount of times through the day, I nearly had a nervous breakdown that my stuff was taken forever. I would never see it again. You turn up in some, uh, turn up on the Antiques Roadshow in 15 years time. My uh, yo-yo-yo-yo-yo-yo-yo-yo bottle of rum chest found on the Antiques Roadshow uh, in 20 years or, uh, or maybe my collection of uh, cravats and ascots uh, turn up at uh, Paris Fashion Week or something along those lines but I did breathe a sigh of relief and I was rather upset that I'd left my quarter bottle of Glamourangi Scotch back at the old house uh, for the people who are going to be decorating as a little surprise at that point God, I needed a swig. So I mentioned earlier about a Heath Robinson effort. And it's going to give you the definitions. It's an old saying uh, that I've heard. I really never knew the meaning of it particularly. But artist and illustrator William Heath Robinson was famed for his brilliant cartoons of ludicrously intricate and complex contraptions apparently designed to carry out the most mundane tasks, or sometimes no tasks at all. Some of these were even made and displayed in public places to highly amuse effect. The term Heath Robinson came to be applied to anything that looked outrageously complicated and was uh, used for an early computer designed to crack the German Enigma code at Bletchley Park during the Second World War. There's a delightful compilation of Heath Robinson's cartoons and designs called Very Heath Robinson by Adam Hart David, uh, and they give many examples lots plus of information about the man himself. So that's what it was, it was a, it's a crazy artist who put together contraptions that never bloody worked. So one talks a lot of mumbo-jumper about sleeping. But I think I've discovered the key to a good night's sleep. I mean firstly, worrying about 150 boxes of crap. Uh, that, that, that being washed over and out of one's mind is quite helpful. But I think the key is an incredibly comfortable mattress. I found that to be uh, very therapeutic and sends one into a very deep slumber. But I've noticed, and maybe one of the reasons I haven't slept very well for a long time, was uh, I mean, a mattress certainly wasn't bad at Old Chappie Towers. I mean, it wasn't one of Henry VIII's uh, king size or probably for Henry VIII, empress-sized beds, four posters with uh, arachnids hanging off it, dust, curtains surrounding it, and as hard as bloody nails. No. Um, But this this is an absolute delight. And I haven't dreamt in in such a long time, but I've been dreaming the last couple of nights. And I had a rather weird dream about uh, Georgia Border Collie, Maggie... Which I can't really remember the essence of, but I was very perturbed that my um, uh, my Apple speaker, the HomePod, was it was covered in like a the fluffiness you get on an old microphone, but it's very very misshaped, and I was and I was in, I was very upset about that. I had to go to the sleep gurus and try to get a determination of what a, a misshaped uh, uh, listening piece or speaker microphone what that means but it was oddly shaped i mean it wasn't phallic or anything like but the home pod took a a taken almost like a shapeshifter type of effort uh and it had a huge like fluffy almost mop afro on top of it and that's that's all i can remember my dream but i know my dogs were with me when i discovered or rediscovered uh the uh slightly misshaped microphone speaker thing So I don't know, maybe a comfortable bed gives one's dreams sort of acid trip type of feel to it, who knows. And shockwave therapy promises remedy for erectile dysfunction to prostate cancer patients. Men with prostate cancer will benefit from the groundbreaking new shockwave therapy that could cure erectile dysfunction after surgery in the first trial of its kind. Patients at Guy's Hospital in London are to be treated with a shockwave therapy. It's hoped that the treatment will help to improve erectile function in the patients, experiencing sexual dysfunction after surgery for prostate cancer. The disease is the most common cancer in men. Up to 80% of patients experience erectile dysfunction after undergoing the surgery. And uh, many need lifelong medication to restore function. uh, But for some men, the medication does not work. Shockwave therapy consists of delivering an acoustic wave Yes, an acoustic wave that carries high energy to the painful spots and moscoskeletal tissues. Low energy shock waves are directed to an area using a specialist probe. Now, I think before I want to you know, have this treatment done, I would want to know what the specialist probe consists of and where this probe is inserted. Because, it, I mean, it's bringing tears to my eyes. I mean, these poor chaps who, who, who suffer this after the cancer. That's one thing. But tell me a little bit more about the specialist probe. Each patient received the treatment through a randomized trial of 10 sessions once a week. I mean, that sounds like you'd go and hide in the bathroom whilst the specialist probe was uh, taken out of its specialist box and uh, inserted... Again, who knows where. We're delighted to be able to offer this potentially life-changing treatment to uh, patients who've had the cancer. The new painless, it says therapy. it doesn't sound painless, has the potential to restore full erectile function, regenerating new blood vessels. The trial is currently recruiting 100 men. <laughs> They're looking around the room for hands being put up. and nobody, Nobody's putting their hands up here. Um, but there we go. Let's, let's find out a little bit more about the probe. But you know the people who are pretty unhappy about this whole thing? I mean, the men with the, the cancer, good on them. They're, uh, they're getting a new, lease, a new lease and a new lift on life. Um, but uh, I know the, the, the companies that make the little blue pills, not quite so happy, I don't think. So we have another enigmatic eccentric. British Prime Minister. And today it's Margaret Thatcher's eccentric habit. She slept only four hours a night. Margaret Thatcher projected an image of formidable confidence and one part of this was her ability to cope on just four hours of sleep every night. It meant that she, in the words of her biographer, uh, was the best informed person in the room. It also posed a challenge for its successor John Major, while Thatcher would keep her colleagues up until the early hours of the morning. Major had a more normal sleep cycle and found it exhausting to try to keep up with the civil servants who slept and spent 11 years getting accustomed to Thatcher's regime. Thatcher isn't the only politician to get by on remarkably little sleep. Churchill was said to have managed only four hours a night as well, but this was combined with lengthy afternoon naps. Oh God, the afternoon nap is a delight. Bill Clinton also got by on four hours, five hours sleep a night while he was US President. Though it seems to have been a struggle for him he described himself as a functional insomniac and kept going on 20-minute power naps during the day barack obama sleep for uh, in this context positively indulgent in six hours a night donald trump claims to sleep only three or four on the other extreme george w bush calvin Coolidge slept for nine hours per night that's why that's why george Dabler was uh, a little bit dopey at times i guess the 24-hour news cycle of modern political campaigns rewards people who can manage a little sleep and aides describe the process as incredibly taxing, with the days blurring into one another as the elections get closer. I mean, just get a comfortable mattress and a unicorn pillow and you're set at probably seven or eight hours minimum. So I'm sure many of you are asking, so how are the... The hounds coping with the move to a downsized Chappie Tower as well. It's funny you ask that question. (laughs) So here we go. So the dogs move with me. um, Lots of help from my dear love uh, over the last few days. Many, many, so much help. I mean, the, the handiest woman you'll ever see. The, the sexiest handywoman you'll ever see. That's not a euphemism, but the sexiest handy woman. And I mean, you see her with a hammer and a screwdriver in her hands. I mean, I don't even know which way to hold the bloody thing. But uh, she's marvellous. So took the dogs back. And uh, so Maggie the Corgi, a little bit younger, maybe a little bit more adaptable than, uh, than Queen George the Border Collie. Um, but, you know, settled in the first night quite well. A little bit of whining, but uh, then I discovered that, you know, dogs are creatures of habit. Literally the the, the most routine-driven animal there ever is. And the big question was, George normally goes, does does a number two, let's say, um, behind a bush, very gracefully hidden, uh, without anybody seeing, you know, wants her privacy. Uh, But, you know, Charlie Downsized Towers, there's nowhere to do that. And she's going to have to do it whilst on a leash, which she's never done before. Maybe once, but only once. And uh, so waited. So Saturday night came and went. Well, she went on Saturday at the old place, old Chappie Towers. But then Sunday night came. Nothing. Monday. Nothing. Tuesday. Nothing. And this was this is the this was the continuous situation for the course of the following twenty-four hours into Wednesday. I mean, and you can see a dog in pain, sort of crossing its legs, whining, not knowing where to go, lost its spot. I mean, I was told by several people that I should have gone back to old Chappie Towers with a bag in one hand and uh, carried a pile of poop. Now, have you ever carried a pile of poop back in an Uber? I mean, I, I don't think you've been the most popular passenger before. A, an, old, an old lump of, you know, pile of dog shed in an Uber back to the new place and spreading it down so your dog can sniff and smell where she'd gone previously. I did think about it. I was getting that desperate. And then finally finally the great escape the great escape literally happened and she um was whining at the door at the patio door open up the door to the patio towers and it was certainly releasing of the hounds so to speak a poor thing what a relief so i know i don't not ideal going on the patio but you know one Needs muster in this, uh, this situation. Um, but that truly was a great escape. But then you've got Maggie. Chewing up everything. Chewing up all and sundry. What is the solution to a, a, a dog craving a new wall to chew on? Well, that's coming up next. So Maggie the Corgi has her own issues. Hers are like, you know, she hasn't got the nervous whining or... or uh, you know turning into a constipated hound like George, Maggie's is different that she likes to chew on everything, so you have to corgi proof the whole house or the space where she is kept you know where nobody's not around to keep an eye on her so uh again, my lovely it really did a good job like sticky hardboards all around and then ductate the uh the whole uh around the sideboards the baseboards because she likes to chew. She was a sort of penchant for chewing the baseboards, so all of that was uh, all of that was protected. But then I came back the other day, and she had chewed up all the uh, all the duct tape. So I'm just waiting for the time, probably in the next hour or so, where everything's going to come out nicely wrapped, gift wrapped. Oh Lord. So in fairly new news, Denver residents can now expect to get weed delivered to the front door within the next few weeks. For six years, the uh, city will only hand out transport license to people who fit the state's social equity criteria. But after selling over the counter of years, marijuana dispensaries in Denver are seeing a budding opportunity. Stores are submitting applications for delivery permits and city officials can say that residents expect to get their weed delivered to their front door within the next few days. In uh, April, Mayor Michael Hancock signed two council bills into law to create a social equity program for marijuana licensing in the city. For the next uh, few years, Denver will only hand out transporter licenses to people who fit the state's social equity criteria to make the industry more equitable. Well, as long as the drivers, the Uber drivers or Lyft drivers or whoever's going to be delivering this are not trying out the product and getting high themselves. They're not behind the wheel, you know, lighting up a huge Camberwell carrot or whatever smoking as they go along, that would be the highway to hell. So I saw this in the week and uh, plagiarized this off Instagram, so hats off to whoever posted this. But it's called Your Metrosexual Ex, and I, I don't know if I want to be ever described as somebody's metrosexual ex, but maybe, who knows? And I'm certainly not the first line, Jim Trim. So Jim Trim, is it really him? Startled eyebrows, penciled in. Taking compliments on the chin, your metrosexual ex. From a shade this side of lavender room, he's your head like a show tune. World weary and well groomed, enough to make muscle men swoon. That mess of deltoids, abs, and pecs, too numerous to flex your metrosexual ex. A bronze hat, a precious cat, a lido collar, a loose cravat. There's nothing wrong with that. Adroitly ambidextrous, yes, your metrosexual ex. Hello, welcome to Champa so it may not have been something that really crossed your mind, but dying isn't very eco-friendly. That is to say that the process of the funeral and burial can produce a lot of CO2. So if you've made a conscious effort in life to be more green, it makes sense that you make the effort in death too. The AGFD Good Funeral Awards think of themselves as the Oscars for funerals, are helping people to make wiser choices when planning their funerals. Uh, the president of the AF or AGFD, William Wayman talked about the ways in which people are going uh, going to be very green beyond the grave he said believe it or not car sharing at funerals has been the biggest impact regarding reducing CO2 I mean just imagine though if it's uh, it's uh, it's the mistress having to ride in the car with the uh, with the uh, with the with the wife of the, the you know the dead gentleman that could be all sorts of issues uh oh dear the widow and the mistress together i mean that sounds like a name of the of an album a widow and the mistress um but uh burial at a natural burial ground does not need constant maintenance lawn mowing treatment processes it's also a step in the green direction funeral directors also moving over to electric vehicles now which see as a positive step well just imagine though if you ran out of power on the way to the uh on the way to the funeral, you're going. You've got the big old hearse there with a the coffin in, and you have to stop and get it charged up. Uh, William also explained the different ways of disposing of the remains. You've got recimation, it's water cremation using alkaline hydrolysis. Uh, cry- cryromation, a fully automated process involving immersing a body in liquid nitrogen down to a temperature of 196 degrees. I hope you're not dipping your little finger or any other little thing into the uh, into the liquid nitrogen to test the temperature. Uh, then the wa- it's, uh, to the point the water is rem- removed and becomes extremely brittle. This is cryo-related in the small particles, allowing them for the removal of any surgical implants. And every <laughs> you yeah, you don't want uh, a set of breast, plants, uh, breast implants uh, you know, freezing and then falling off. That would be a little bit nippy, to say the least. It makes me think, though, I want my ashes scattered around a bed of parsnips because you definitely couldn't pass by the nips. And a cockapoo has absolutely baffled the internet with an uncanny impression of the late Princess Diana. Known for her iconic hairstyle and incredible fashion sense, the much-loved member of the royal family also had a signature look. Diana was renowned for a doe-eyed stare for a bit of her haircut. And one cockapoo has absolutely nailed the impression of Lady Diana Spencer, recreated by Emma Corrin in the Netflix series. Uh, The shy glance saw Diana tilt her chin down slowly looking out of the corner of her eyes from under the fringe. The cockapoo absolutely mastered the stare and was captured by John O'Sullivan on Twitter. Since this tweet resurfaced, other people tried to find pictures of their dogs looking like Princess Diana, but none came close to this one. Another Twitter said, it literally is Diana's face. That's a cock and poo story. What next? A dog that looks like Prince Charles? Oh wait, big ears, corgis. And an influencer's video has gone viral after she inadvertently filmed the moment a man asked for her uh, on a date at the gym and was a very awkward response which she turned down the author. Avery Overard posted a video on TikTok, women, We Leave Women Alone. It shows a 19-year-old stretching on a mat in a gym when a man who's estimated to be in his 40s approached to ask her if she was uh, taking a video of herself. He then returns five minutes later and asks her name before telling her that he was about to have physical therapy to recover from a torn muscle gesturing at his ankle. The man then adds, well, when I'm able to get out, you might not be here, so I wanted to get your number for dinner. When he extends his phone towards Avery, she said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm too young for you. At which point the man says, oh yeah, well, I'm too rich for you. Oh yes, a great idea. Chat somebody up when you look like a sweaty wildebeest. So I was rummaging around uh, the boxes over the last couple of weeks and hidden in the bottom of one of the boxes I found a rather interesting book. It was a copy of the French Kama Sutra and uh, I'm going to read some uh, extracts in French to you over the course of the next couple of episodes apropos nothing Uh, but when I see a couple uh, wrapped around each other like pretzels I'm going to read you the passage. So first up we have, in the French, or Kamasutra Francaise, we have Quand le passion, deviant intense, présente avec ses angles, le gratuit le cours de son patient avec Cruci Sissi et Rélez, dans l'occasion suivante, l'ont une première visite, un moment De la mise en route pour un voyage, l'odorateur de un voyage, un moment, ou le se réconcilier avec un partenaire, un colère, un Filament Lasque le la thème est en vie avec la coule So I'm going to type the French text into Google Translate and see what it comes up with. So let's just type it in here quickly. Alright, right, yep, yep, I think I've got it now. Yep, just a little bit more. Uh, Just a a touch more, yep, okay. We're gonna slowly wait as uh, as the little uh, hamster goes around the wheel here and Google Translate figures out what the text in the French Kama Sutra actually meant. It's close, it's coming up soon, I think, yep. I think it's going to it's going to give me a piece of paper. It's going to come out. Oh, no, not yet. And here we go. It's like the Dead Sea Scrolls coming out here. So I I don't know if it's come out correctly here. When the passion becomes pressing with its angle scratching the body of its partner with these is reread in the following occasions. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast this week. It's great to be back again with two episodes uh, coming up in the next few days. Uh, Keep coming, cauliflower cheese episode one hundred and thirteen, so you can listen across so many different platforms. As Larry's Chuck was jacked up up into the air when he finally found the jack. Uh, I, I could as he, as he was pumping it up I could hear the sweet sounds of quick caramel cauliflower cheese emanating from the, the jack as it was hydraulic into the air it is quite, it, it is quite funny though that uh, the bane of my life that day one of the banes of my life was actually Jack and poor Jack the lad the little rat terrier passed away and even in his uh, demise he was still causing me issues with the jack the next day but there we go Or you can listen to, uh, across all the platforms, uh, Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, also uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, uh, also uh, Slacker, I believe. You can listen to it on Spotify. Uh, You can uh, Google Podcasts as well. So across many different platforms. So if you like the audio version, that is. But if you like the musical version, then you have to go to either Anchor, Or you have to go to a Spotify podcast and you can basically see a butler jigging to his own playlist. That's what it is. So there we go. We're nearly finished today. But coming up next is the poem to complete the show. Under the harvest moon. Under the harvest moon when the soft silver drips shimmering over the garden's nights. Death the grey mocker comes and whispers to you as a beautiful friend who remembers. Under the summer roses when the flagrant crimson lurks in the dusk, the red riled leaves, love with little hands comes and touches you with a thousand memories and asks you beautiful unanswerable questions. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Chappy out for now but I'll be back again on Saturday. Cheerio for now.